Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the middle of a workout. And while I was doing it, one of the instructors went into a handstand and then proceeded to walk for about 30 feet. Being who I am, I thought to myself, I must master this. I was envious. Well, it just so happened later that day that my family uh, went swimming and I spent my entire time swimming like I was a 10-year-old kid. I put on uh, a full snorkel face mask, that way water wasn't going up my nose and I spent the entire time doing uh, handstands in the pool and trying to walk from the deep end to the shallow end and then like handle it. And I mean, I, you know, I was getting pretty confident. Uh, it was a little embarrassing for my wife for me to spend the entire time in the pool doing that. But um, she thought she was embarrassed, but you know what? I decided to raise the ante a little bit because I took it too far. Uh, I texted uh, our neighbor uh, his son, who's a sophomore in college, and said, hey man, can you meet me out in your front yard? And I said, hey Jennifer, let's go talk to Jack. And once I got them both out there, I proceeded to ask them to hold my legs up in the air because I wanted, I wanted to be able to do a handstand. The reason I need to have them is I don't have the flexibility yet to be able to put my hands and my feet on the ground at the same time. So I have to lay there, hold my hands up, and then people have to hoof this big fella up in the air. Well, we made some progress. We learned a couple things. One, uh, my wife was embarrassed. Two, uh, my left shoulder was not ready for that activity, mainly because uh, I don't know what your shoulders are like, but uh, my shoulders weren't designed for carrying my body weight. In fact, I think that this muscle right here might be the least used muscles in my entire body, because let me ask you this question, how many times have you ever done this movement in your life? Right, you don't pick up girls that way. Hey, how are you? Good, you free? You wanna hang out? She's like, no, not, not at all. Like I've never used those, and all of a sudden I put 290 pounds on them, and this shoulder said, no more. I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb with my shoulder right now. I could do it if I wanted to. It hasn't been right ever since. It falls asleep randomly. I'll be driving the car and it just falls off the car. Off. I'm like, all right, well, we're fine. We're fine, kids, right? It just hasn't been right. But deep down inside, like the quest to walk on my hands, to walk upside down, it remains. And to be honest, maybe if you were honest, maybe at our different locations, maybe online inside, have you felt like life's been a little upside down lately? I mean, just a little bit. Maybe not for you, but you know somebody whose life's a little upside down. Uh, lately, I've been kind of feeling like a bat who had a very bad day. I don't know if you guys know about the, the story of the bat who had a bad day, but two bats were hanging in a cave upside down. And as bats are in the habit of doing, they started talking to each other before they went to bed. And bat number one turned to bat number two and says, what's been your best day as a bat? And he says, bat number two says, I have no idea. He goes, okay. Bat number one goes, well, turns to bat number two and says, well, what's the worst day of your life? And bat number two says, oh, that's easy, the day I had diarrhea. 
right? <laughs> have, you, have you felt like you've been having a bad day as a bat lately? Like your world's just been turned a little upside down? Yeah, I, first of all, I appreciate the last because Thursday night I had to explain it to him. Okay, it was tough. I was, it's like, it's gonna be a tough sermon because we're gonna get into scripture in a little bit. I was just talking about gravity. Anyhow, anyhow, I feel, maybe you feel like that's kind of been life lately. Like our lives have been turned a little upside down. Scheduling has been turned upside down. School in the fall, upside down. You used to, um, you used to see people wearing a mask and you thought they were weird. And now you're walking down aisle seven at high V and you followed the arrow, but the person coming at you didn't follow the arrow and they're not wearing a mask. And you're like, well, I can't back up because then I'm going the wrong way. And I already committed to the, to the arrow and you're stuck. Or you have two people who kind of come close to you in the produce section which is why I'm not eating produce right now, just out of respect. <laughs> People getting too close. Don't know if they touched it, but you know, Fruit Loops, nobody can get to that Fruit Loop because it's got double protection. Just saying, if you put asparagus in the same way you do Fruit Loops, I'd eat more of it. <laughs> and it, you find yourself, it's a little upside down. We used to evaluate like our, our security and how much money we had in the bank. And now it's how much toilet paper do you have in the house? And I'm gonna be upfront with you, we're not hoarding, but if it's on the shelf, I pick some up just because I don't wanna get myself into a situation. I wanna make sure we got plenty laying around. I went to Hive the other day and they had some toilet paper there and I picked it up, went downstairs. I'm like, I think we're getting a little much around here. Okay, it's getting too. Isn't it crazy how much, how about this? Some of you found out whether you were essential or not. Did that turn you just a little bit upside down? Our world has been being turned absolutely upside down. We used to use social media to just interact with friends and family and see how kids are growing up and look at pictures and get envious of their vacations. And now we use social media to get our news. And from my perspective, that's just a little bit upside down. If I were gonna describe the Philippian church, if I were gonna describe the book of Philippians, the phrase that I would use would be upside down. The church was started by Paul. That in and of itself is upside down. Paul is what we would have called a terrorist, a religious extremist. He was so devout in his Judaism and his zeal for Yahweh that he could not, through all of his studies of the Old Testament, realize that they were pointing to the person of Jesus. And so when people started taking the message that Jesus preached to heart and they started living, they called themselves the way and the followers of Jesus, Paul would see what they were doing and he began to persecute them, throw them in prison, have them beaten. He was there holding the coats of the people who were killing the very first Christian martyr, Stephen. All of a sudden he has an encounter with Jesus and he goes from being a terrorist to being a um, church planter. That, that's upside down. 
He starts the church with a woman named Lydia who was wealthy. That is upside down. In a time when women are marginalized, subjugated, here comes Lydia onto the scene, a wealthy dealer in purple linen. She would have been the hip Instagram influencer who was dealing with Supreme and Chanel. And she uses her wealth to lead to hospitality and she brings the people into her house and the church is birthed from her home. That is upside down. Paul and Silas end up being thrown in jail because they're throwing the city into an uproar because they are healing a girl who was oppressed by demons. They're preaching a gospel that kind of turns some of the Roman uh, practices on their head and people are upset and so they seize them, they beat them, even though Paul is a Roman citizen, which means if you beat a Roman citizen without a trial, you deserve to die. But Paul allows that to happen and be thrown in jail even though he didn't have to. He allowed himself to be beaten. That is upside down. And then Acts tells us that at midnight, late, they're in the inner cell, and Paul and Silas are worshiping uh, God. That's not us, right? If we have to wear a mask, if our car won't start, if we're halfway through a bowl of cereal and we run out of milk, we're about ready to lose our faith. Here's Paul and Silas doing things for God and it's costing them and they find themselves in prison because of things that they are doing for God and in the middle of the night, they're worshiping God. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of the opposition they face, they find it in themselves to worship God. That is upside down. Then an earthquake hits the jail. It's so violent that it shakes the gates off of the hinges. The jailer comes in believing that everybody has left. He knows that the price for losing one of his uh, people in their cell is that he's gonna be killed. So he draws his sword to save his family from the dishonor of being killed and is preparing to commit suicide because he's lost all the inmates. But before he can fall on his sword, Paul and Silas, say, hey, we're still here. Actually, he says, we're all still here. What it means is, not only did Paul and Silas stay in the jail, so did all of the other inmates. That the worship was so captivating that what was happening in Paul and Silas's life 
was so moving that all of the inmates didn't escape. They wanted to know what else Paul and Silas were gonna do. So Paul and Silas start talking to the jailer. The jailer wants to know what he needs to do to be saved. They tell him. So then the jailer takes them out of the jail to his house where his family feed them and tend to their wounds. And then Paul and Silas baptize the jailer's entire family. Hold on. And when that's done, Paul and Silas don't escape through a window. They don't leave through a back alley. Paul and Silas go back to jail. That is upside down. When you are so in tune with God that you realize that the earthquake that takes the gates off the cell down is not for you to get out, but for the jailer and his family to get in. This is an upside down place. Paul begins this letter by praising God for all the work that's being accomplished each day through their work. He's recognizing that while he's in prison here in Rome, he is being chained four times a day for six hours each time to Nero's, Caesar's prison guards. These guys are being brought in, the secret service, the you know special forces, they're being shackled to Paul. And Paul's writing letters to the Philippian church. And while he has these people chained to him, he decides he's just gonna talk to them about Jesus, never missing an opportunity. Some of you wouldn't leave if you were all chained to me, right? Be nice. Check this out. He writes to the Philippian church and he tells them, Caesar's whole household send their greeting. Paul is in prison for telling people about Jesus. So while he's in prison, they shackle him to people and Paul tells those people that he's shackled to about Jesus and the gospel starts taking root in all of their lives to the point when Paul sends this letter, he sends it on behalf of the royal household who have also become followers of Jesus. Upside down. And so Paul writes to this church asking them to live an upside down life. He pushes forth a new ethic, a contrarian ethic, a life that is highlighted by upside down behavior. Look what he says in Philippians chapter one, verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet not what I choose. I do not, or what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. 
Not knowing the extent of the suffering that awaits him, he hopes he will not be ashamed. He hopes that he will have sufficient courage that whether he lives or he dies, he would exemplify and represent Christ. For him, this is way more than standing up for God at the cost of maybe losing a promotion or losing a relationship or a life. And for him, this is life and death. Furthermore, he actually knows what he wants. He wants what you want, what I want. I just wanna be with Jesus. There are times when you're just driving in the car and you're like, man, God, this would be a great day for you to come back. You're waiting for the clouds to part, the Son of God to descend and take us to be with him in heaven. I'm gonna talk about that at the very end of this sermon series. There's this desire for us to finally be at home with our Lord and Savior. But Paul says, while it would be better for me to be with Jesus, it's better for you that I remain. Because Paul knows that while he still has breath in his lungs, while he is still on earth, there are things that we can do here that you can't do once you're in heaven. Once you're in heaven, there's no more messages to be preached. Once you're in heaven, there's no more people to be baptized. Once you're in heaven, there's no lost people to be found. Once you're in heaven, there's no more people to be saved. And Paul's saying, while I'm still on earth, I just want more people to know about Jesus so that way when they die, they can be with Jesus too. That is upside down. When you view your life and how it impacts all the people around you. He says this, Philippians chapter two, verses one through four. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then he says some stuff that let's just be honest, we don't like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I don't know about you, but I actually have others in my life. And some of those others I don't like. And some of those others, I don't wanna put their interests above mine. You struggle with this too. Some of you are gonna leave uh, church and you're gonna try and decide where to go to eat. And the reason that's such a challenge is because the people in your car are not looking to the interests of others. They're looking out for their own interests. 
Oh, when two kids say two separate places of where they wanna eat, and what do we do, parents, to teach them how to put others better than themselves? We go to both places, right? That's what we do, screw it. We're going to, we're going to Taco Bell and we're going to McDonald's and who wants Wendy's? I mean, we're hitting, we're hitting them all, right? And when I get home, I'm just gonna have a bagel. That's not true, and some ice cream, okay, right? So he's looking at you and me and he's saying, I want you to put your personal agenda below other people. I want you to think about other people more than you consider yourself. Wouldn't it be weird if uh, right now Christians were being known for being the people that were considering the interests of others? If that was the rap we were getting? This is upside down. And we're going, but uh, that's pretty hard to do and I don't know if I really wanna do it. He knows we're gonna say this, so he cites Jesus as our supreme example. This is what he says in Philippians chapter two, verses five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, I'm gonna talk about that next week, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He didn't leverage his relationship with God to his own advantage. Uh, I think it was about a year ago. Uh, you know, our family was settling in to live in here in Quincy. And uh, one of my kids, Maddox, uh, walked into the kids' room and kids were all playing and nobody acknowledged him. And so he kind of looked around and goes, hello everybody, the preacher's kid's in here. <laughs> right? <laughs> where, do you, where, do you, where do you get that from? He was leveraging his relationship to his advantage. If anybody has the right to see themselves as more valuable than others, it's Jesus. If anybody else has the right to act like they're better than everybody else, it's Jesus. If anybody has the right to behave like they're better than everybody else, it's Jesus. But Jesus chooses instead to suffer and serve on behalf of others. I don't know about you, but that to me seems a little bit upside down. He goes on in Philippians chapter two, verses 14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So we good? Everybody tracking? You know somebody? so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. The church is suffering. Following Christ is costing them dearly. They're dealing with internal conflict and external chaos. 
instead of doing what they deserve to do, what they have every right to do, he says, do what you have to do. Just do it without grumbling. Do what you have to do. Just do it without arguing. Parents, have you ever asked your kids who had all kinds of energy to do all kinds of stuff around the house that's fun, and then the moment that you ask him to like help clean up, oh, I'm so tired, my legs, <laughs> okay? Yeah, you know what it's like to be around people that are just constantly complaining and arguing, grumbling? He's saying, hey, hey Christians, shh, just get back to work. I, I know it's tough. I, I know it's hard. I know she's difficult. I know he's opinionated. Just shh, get back to work. Saying, do what you gotta do. Just do it without complaining or arguing. Instead, shine like stars. He's asking them to captivate the minds and the emotions of all the people that are looking at this Christian church and them noticing that there's something radically different about them, that they're going through excruciating circumstances, they're just doing it without grumbling or complaining. They're doing it upside down. He says this in Philippians chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. This is what he's saying. He commands them to rejoice. He says, I'm gonna command you twice. I say it again, rejoice. In spite of your circumstances, in spite of the pain, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the hardship, in spite of the hurt, command yourself in the middle of these circumstances to rejoice because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. Instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, instead of being scared, instead of being distraught, he's saying in every situation, every situation, at all of our locations, do you have a situation? Put your hand up if you got a situation. Maybe you're married to it, you, gave, you, you married your situation, you gave birth to it, you work with your situation. Yeah, you look online and that becomes your situation. You look at your house, that in every situation, pray. Instead of being anxious, pray. He's asking us, begging us to do things um, 
upside down. And I don't know about you, it seems impossible. It seems impossible to live upside down. Too hard for us to do. That's why Paul says this in Philippians chapter four. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And there it is. The verse that gets abused by so many. And in its abuse, it is robbed of its power. Uh, I don't have time to do it today, but there was a time when I was running a 5K and a person in an electronic wheelchair passed me with a Philippians 4.13 on the back of the seat. Just so you know, when you're running and a person who's handicapped beats you, that is hard on your ego. And then when you know that they took a verse out of context, you wanna address it, but you can't because you can't breathe because you've been running, right? Here's what happens, here's what happens. You're going through your life and you're like, I'm gonna get this job because of Christ who strengthened me. You're like, I'm gonna get this business loan through Christ who strengthens me. I'm gonna get out of my debilitating singleness and I'm gonna find a great guy through Christ who strengthens me. I'm gonna get a great deal on this car through Christ who strengthens me. And then you don't get the promotion and you don't get the bank loan and you don't get the boyfriend and you don't get the car. And then you're like, God, why didn't you keep your promise to me? And God's like, cause I didn't make that promise. I made a better one. Here is God's promise. Whether you get the promotion or you don't, I'm gonna give you the strength to be content. Whether you get the business loan or you don't, I'm gonna give you the strength to be content. Whether you get the boyfriend or you don't, I'm gonna give you the strength to be content, whatever the circumstances, whatever they are, whether you get the car or you don't, I'm gonna give you the strength to be content. Whether you have to wear a mask or you don't, I'm gonna give you the strength to be content. I know what it is to be content when I'm well fed. You know that about me. Well, what about when the pantry's empty? Well, what happens when you find out that your trust and your faith has been placed in your pantry and not in Christ? It's easy for us to be thanking God when there's plenty of toilet paper in the basement, but what happens when you're down to one roll? And he's saying, whatever the circumstances, in spite of the circumstances, Christ is gonna give me the strength to be content, to be different, to be upside down. That's a better promise. He ends by saying this, but their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. He says, the world is setting their mind on worldly things, but you and me, Christians, I want us to have a heavenly perspective. When you read in Genesis about God creating earth, the world that you and I live in, what we find out is that what he was creating was a little slice of heaven here on earth. And it was perfect. It was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And then sin entered the world and it turned the world upside down. And so you and I, we live in a world that is already upside down. And when we choose to live upside down in an upside down world, we look upside down from the world's perspective, but from heaven's perspective, we're right side up. And I think you know this. I think you believe this. I actually think you wanna be a part of this because what our world could use right now is some people who are living right side up, some people who are living differently, people who are showing everybody else around them that there is a better way. And I'm asking you, would you join me on that journey? We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.